Connect with your potential customers wherever they are. Effective uses Comcast viewership data insights to combine advanced targeting capabilities with premium TV and streaming content so you can deliver the best ad experiences to your audience no matter how they watch. Visit effectv.com. Welcome to the Grit Daily Startup. I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk, and this is a podcast about what goes on behind the scenes at startups. The good, the bad, and the gritty. Let's dive in. So this is uh, Karib Nirani again at, still in Austin, I think it's 115 degrees outside, a little bit cloudy though, and some breeze, but we're okay. We're still here. We haven't melted or we're, we're, uh, we're still surviving. Uh, very exciting today. We're going to have some blockchain, global blockchain perspectives from Justina Ossowska, Ossowska who is a founder of Women in Blockchain Canada, and Patricia Auer, who is with Brink, uh, a VC company that's global. And she is the director, advisor, advisor and mentor at Brink and runs a bunch of cohorts there, uh, encouraging new startups to do what they do best. Um, I'll let you introduce yourself a little bit more, Patricia, and then Justina, and then I'll take it up from there. Great. Patricia. Thank you. Um, yeah, so my name is Patricia. I head up the Blockchain Accelerator at Brink, uh, which is a VC headquartered in Hong Kong, but we've got offices globally. So we accelerate uh, Web3 projects um, in partnership with Animoca Brands. We currently just did our first cohort of 28 uh, what we call game changers. Um, so our investment thesis includes, you know, social impact, ESG, and sustainability. That's what we call game changers. Um, and our next cohort is coming up uh, where we are accelerating about 50. Uh, we run about three cohorts a year um, and really excited to be in the space. Sustainability? Sustainability, ESG, social impact. ESG and social impact. I want to keep those three those three words in focus because it's something I want to pay attention to. Justina, a little bit about you and what you're seeing happening. Wonderful. So yeah, my name is Justina Sovska and I've been the founder of Women in Blockchain Canada since 2019. Since then, we've done over 10 workshops to help people actually uh, learn about social impact of blockchain, uh, the regulatory uh, space in Canada, and amongst other themes that relate to sustainability and the blockchain space. So that's all we do. And we're hoping to continue on to that. We uh, did a partnership with SitTechDAO uh, to continue educating and we're going to migrate into the metaverse. And we just love collaborating with different people in a, in a space because we'd like to bring in as many people as possible. That, that's, that, that's a cool initiative. I want to ask you a little bit about Canada's initiative in this. Well, I feel like I have a lot of support in Canada. I mean, the community is, I would say, fairly friendly. Uh, and for the people who are in the blockchain space, I feel a lot of people are willing to collaborate and work together. Like, for example, uh, I'm going to be heading to the Futurist Conference in Toronto. They get a lot of attendees and we're going to be helping them host that event in the metaverse. And so I feel like because it's such a tight knit community, like you end up scaling and growing together because people are just willing to help each other. And that's what I really love about the environment. And Gowling, who's the who's the law firm who helps and comes in and, you know, speaks to the regulations at my events. They they've also been supporting me from the beginning. and I met them at the Futurist Conference. So it's just like amazing how that ecosystem works for me anyway. The experience I've had is 
people are friendly and willing to work together versus compete because they know the space is small. So they're like, they're, they're going in and, and they're there to help each other. So when we talk about the metaverse, in your words, what would you say we need to know about the metaverse? Well, I think there's a lot happening in that space. Uh, and there's so many metaverses. And I think it's just like you, uh, it's, I feel like we're literally at the beginning. It's going to be a huge industry and it's going to game change like what you're doing, the world. Because imagine uh, right now, space is a, is a, is an issue, right? We had the COVID-19 crisis. And so you, if you want to do something across the world, let's say she lives in Hong Kong and she has something in her house that's not working and no one can go into the house because let's say we were in the pandemic. Well, now if you had that in the metaverse, that person can operate anything from outside of her home and come in and tell her what she has to do in her home to fix it. That's crazy. Think about that for a second. So for me, it's like, but there's a lot around it, right? So I'm just speaking to that, like one little aspect of it. It's a great use case to actually anchor the conversation. Exactly. So, you know, imagine what manufacturing and supply chain, which I think have been in a crisis during COVID-19, how the metaverse can help to change that. Thank you. So Patricia, taking off on that, in your words, in your, in your, um, in your ideas, what, what is the metaverse? The metaverse uh, to me personally is a, is a alternate reality, so to speak, right? You can be anyone and anything in the metaverse. So in real life, I'm Patricia. Um, I'm director of the blockchain accelerator at Frank, but in the metaverse, I can be a unicorn. I can fly. I can, you know, um, I mean, in addition to that, it's obviously use cases as well, right? How can we make, um, how can we integrate, you know, living in reality versus living online um, and make our daily life easier? Um, the other thing, again, is, you know, in, in times of COVID, for example, or any times when we're kind of locked in our room, right, um, everyone's been needing social interaction. And there's been a lot of fatigue about Zoom. Um, you know, the metaverse gives us an alternate way to interact and explore and meet different people, uh, in the metaverse, you can go up to anyone, you can chat to them, you know, you can make friends and and really create uh, a new um, social network from that. So would you say then, uh, Patricia, that blockchain is the underpinnings of metaverse or is there a different computing technology that we have to pay attention to? So to me, there are different computing technologies. I mean, there's blockchain and then there's non-blockchain, right? You can build a metaverse, so to speak, uh, you know. Previous ones, Second Life, uh, they, they kind of all existed. Um, when I speak about the metaverse, obviously Web3, I mean blockchain underpinned. Um, so, but, you know, there, there are, we see this in the accelerator as well. There's so many now creating their own metaverses with different use cases, with different reasons. There's some actually now going back to social impact and ESG that are specific to certain traditions to try and keep those alive or tell stories um, that haven't been shared because of generational gaps. Um, that's something that I think is very beautiful, you know, keeping those alive. As you run the cohorts for Brink, and you've gone through, what, one batch already of 30, 30 companies or 30 entrepreneurs? Uh, 28 uh, blockchain-based. We also have different verticals. So we've got food tech, IoT, um, sustainability on its own, non-blockchain-based. Um, so in total, we had 33 this, this time around, but 28 blockchain ones. So if you look at... the kinds of things that the entrepreneurs are building, what would be the resounding theme in blockchain, for example? The, the resounding theme, I think, is more the ideology or the ethos that underpins it. Um, you know, 
true decentralization, true ownership for everyone, access, equality, um, inclusivity, those underpin them. But I wouldn't say that the projects all have a similar theme. So again, we run different verticals. We have arts and culture. We have digital entertainment, which includes, you know, film and media and gaming. Um, we now have just propped up sandbox specific. So, uh, just a metaverse stream. And then we've got guild as well. So it really is within those, everyone has their own problem, unique problem that they wanted to solve for within those verticals. And again, those are people that we call game changers because they've really found something that was a pain point that they wanted to solve for everyone, not just themselves. So this is an important theme, which I want to pick up, pick up on a little bit, uh, a little bit later, but I wanted to go back to Justina. When you see uh, paying attention to, I know Canada has always been at the forefront of trying to pay attention to ESG and climate and environment. Mm-hmm. Um, as you go through some of the people that you're meeting and the companies that they're building, Tell us a little bit more about how we're paying attention to that environment. Well, yeah, I think you're absolutely correct in how uh, Canada, I mean, as a country, I feel like Canada is very aware of that. And then like, I guess at my level, I feel like also it's important to be aware of that and work with the people in the ecosystem who share your values. So, you know, just speaking uh for myself, my uh, my business partner is a professor in sustainability and he's building out a university in the metaverse where I'll have a women's center of excellence in the metaverse where we're going to be teaching courses. So it's going to be um, we're de- in the development stages right now. But the point being is like, think about it right now. You can only physically deliver a class. I mean, as a human being, we're at this podcast. We can only do this for so long, right? And then we record it. But then how do you track someone actually listened to it and went to it? It's the same with classes. So how do we democratize education on a grand scale? And how do we make people more aware of sustainability and things like that? And the circular economy. And you mentioned storytelling. So for me, the next the next year, I think, is going to really revolve around that. It's going to revolve around uh, the incorporation of women, storytelling and education all together for that piece of the circular economy, because that's what's important to me as a person right now. I mean, like, I feel like we're all game changers and we're here to problem solve. So let's do it together. Okay, wonderful. I mean, I like that idea. I'm going to go back to Patricia. So as you work, you're involved with Brink, which is a venture BC firm, but has global offices. Mm -hmm. Uh, you run cohorts that hopefully get funded. By they, they all get funded. They all so get if they funded. get accepted to the accelerator, they all get funded. And then maybe you have follow-on follow runs. Correct. So as we are going through this dramatic change in the environment with the um, meltdown in the public equities, how then are venture companies, and you may speak to Brink or other uh, companies that you discuss with, other venture, how are you now evaluating um, startups, valuations, due diligence differently from what you were doing uh, maybe eight months ago? So actually, um, interestingly, this was exactly the panel that I was on at Decentral a few days ago with uh, five other VCs. And um, generally the consensus on that panel, in my view, is, you know, we still have money to deploy. We're still committed to the space. So really our analysis, we, we might be more careful. We might extend the due diligence more. Um, but really, it's still the same. We're still we, our investment thesis is still the same. We still want the space to grow. Markets are cyclical. Um, I come from a traditional banking background, you know, there as well. It's cyclical every few years. It crashes. It comes back, you know. Um, but through also for me, and although obviously, you know, um, on one hand, 
you know, it's, it's upsetting to see that a lot of people lost money. But on the other hand, I find in a bear market, that's really when we see the real builders for really solving um, you know, unique problems. One of the things in bull markets that I see a lot is a little bit of a copy and paste in terms of projects, right? They're like, oh, this project did really well. I'll do a derivative of it because there's a lot of money in, in the space. Um, and I think that's something that will slow down now with the bear market. But, it, you know, from my perspective, we are still, you know, all systems go. Great. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, no change. Um, no, that's that's great to hear. I mean, because we are hearing that. But on the other flip side of the story, it's like people are pulling back a little bit with the, with the follow on rounds and asking people to revalue uh, their, um, their valuations, right. uh, so to speak. Uh, Justina, I'm going to go to you uh, for a moment and give us a thought over what you see happening over the next 12 to 24 months with the blockchain infrastructure industry as a whole. And what are some of the exciting things that we may be or should be paying attention to that's coming to that, that we have not seen yet? Well, I think that's a great question, first of all. And I think like I'm going to, you know, add to what Patricia already said. I think it's a it's a place where things are weeded out. I think right now it's a time to build. It's a time to learn. It's a time to sit down at home and like educate yourself, I would say to everybody. And that's where I think people's time should go and then build whatever you learn. That's why, you know, my next thing is going to be doing events that are educational to get people into the space, to get building into the space, to get education for developers on different ecosystems. I don't want to work on one ecosystem because their different ecosystems have different advantages and disadvantages. We just did a presentation of the Polkadot ecosystem in Toronto, which is a layer zero protocol. And then there's projects built on it. And then there's different DeFi built on, and some have less risk, some have more risk. But I think overall in the space, issues that are going to still be there are going to be like scalability, security, zero knowledge proof. So I would say, and now with regulations on stable coins, what platforms are actually you know, AML ready, KYC ready, you know, um, you know, whereas like when the regulations come in, they're ready, plug and play. They've already thought about it. So look at companies that are actually like they've built it with the thought in mind that if something happens, I'm over, you know, uh, there's platforms where you have to over collateralize your money in DeFi and then you the risk is lower. So who thought about that? Who are the found? I think I always say like, you know, Warren Buffett looks at like, what's the CEO doing? How are they thinking? So for me, it's always like, yeah, numbers can lie, but you also have to look at the person. And for me, you know, one of the biggest things I learned this year is like your gut, you know, your gut instincts, like your mind and your heart, like your gut, use it all together. So you get a clear picture. So I think it's about looking at people who have long-term vision, long-term goals. They aren't thinking like, what do I, how do I get my click hit in 12 months? And walk away and I don't care about the community. How do they treat people? You know, how do they treat their community? What are they like? What are their long-term visions? And then align yourself to companies that are going to be there for not 24 months, but longer than that, because that's their vision. And they've thought about it. So that, no, that was a very good summary of exactly. <clears throat> I, I really appreciate that. I'm going to tail end what, um, what we heard from Justina to you, uh, Patricia. I know you come up from a background of derivatives, banking, and regulation. And so, and, and a global perspective on this thing, because we have now competing environments, geopolitical environments, CBDC environments, uh, central bank environments that are vying for um, leadership status or being first movers. 
So as an experienced professional in this area, give us a summary of what you see globally happening. Um, so again, I, I always say, you know, regulators are regulators. It doesn't matter what industry sector you're in um, and you're not going to outrun them. I think a few years ago, the conversations that I used to have when I first got into the space was, oh, we'll just keep moving jurisdictions. And but at some point, you know, and, and regulations across the globe, although they're nuanced, are very similar. Um, every time there's a big blow up and retail loses its money, the regulators come in heavy handed. Right. So we've just gone through, you know, um, everything that's happened recently. And so, of course, again, as Justina was saying, with stable coins, that's something that, you know, regulators are going to look into. Um, I think it's about finding a way to work with the regulations and educate the regulators as well, because currently from what I'm seeing is, you know, regulators are shoehorning crypto into already existing legislation and it just doesn't fit. Right. So there's an element of education on that side of things. And I actually think it's a good thing that the institutions um, and the mm. corporates are coming in because they have power, they have push and they're they're They now have FOMO. They really want to be in the space, but they can't operate, you know, big banks that I used to work for. Um, some of them have bought land in the metaverse and, you know, talking to them about it, I always say it's pretty ironic because the people in there are not going to be able to open a bank account with you. Right. Because your AML and KYC is not going to allow that. So how do we bridge that gap? But the fact that they already have a presence means that they'll be able to help and push. And it really is, I think, about marrying up the ideologies between what the traditional regulators want and the ideologies of, you know, blockchain and Web3 of decentralization. How do we really piece that all together? So that's what I'm hoping for within the next 12 months. Um, and I think that the more that the traditional world kind of joins, the big players joins, the more we'll be able to push forward on that side of things. So uh, I want to pick up on that little bit of a thread before we end is the legislation that exists today is lagging. The, the laws around banking have been created way back in the, mm -hmm. I don't know what, 14th century yep. and haven't really been updated at all. Yeah. So is this then an environment where laws would not have to be uh, shifted and stretched to fit a new environment, but new creations? Uh, in my view, yes, <laughs> definitely. Although I think, you know, with any type of legacy matters, right, as you're saying, these laws were built many, many years ago for, for centuries. Anything that has legacy challenges, um, I think, needs to be approached quite carefully. Whenever anyone does something for a very long time and is used to it that way, they're quite resistant to change, Right. So being able to give them, you know, little baby steps first, um, I think personally will help drive actual change within the industry. Right. Once the regulators understand more, uh, they're educated more, uh, keeping in mind, again, the risks, investor protections, especially on the retail side. You know, how can we how can we make that fit its current purpose? Justina, help us close this with a few thoughts that you want. Um, our audience to hear from you and your perspective, and then we'll go to you, Justine. Uh, I think that she covered what I think uh, I want to say as well. The only thing I have to add is education. Like the focus, like she, like what she's saying is people are scared. It's human nature. And the easiest thing is to copy and paste the law. Uh, and it's a lot harder to think outside the box and say, well, how do we treat this differently? How do we have policies around? And I think the first round is probably going to be similar to what we had. But then once 
uh, the education comes in, it's going to have to change and adapt to what's really there. So I don't know how it's going to go. Uh, I think most likely we'll see people trying to apply what's already there. But I have high hopes if uh, we do education for people that we're going to get it more curated to what's really happening in the space versus, you know, anything that's come before because it's a completely unprecedented space. So I think my next thing is going to be to educate people on DeFi, essentially. Educate policymakers on DeFi. Thank you. And uh, Patricia, I'm going to change that a little bit. What is a seismic change that you think we will see over the next two to five years in this space? I hesitate to answer questions like that because the space moves so quickly, you know, that it's just, it's... um, It's hard to say that. And also I like an element of surprise. I mean, something that I am seeing, and obviously, again, we do have an ESG and sustainability and social impact mandate, but something I've really noticed in the last month or so is the amount of really incredible projects within the sustainability and the social impact space, you know, really doing things to help the world be a better place and to give all of us an equal footing, you know, electricity for everyone, clean water, um, you know, creating circular economies, uh, regenerating areas and using blockchain and tokens for that. And that's something that's really close to my heart. And I hope the next two to five years that's going to explode so that we don't only have, you know, these incredible metaverses that we can live in, but we also have an incredible world that we can live in. Yeah, it always surprises me that we want to go elsewhere when we have a beautiful planet that we could live perfectly happy on if we paid attention to what's going on, <laughs> right? So um, I'm, I'm hoping that both of you, Justina and Patricia, and your, and your friends and community will be able to galvanize a larger global community so that we can actually live here longer, happier in this yes. little world of ours that we currently enjoy. I'd like to thank you both, Patricia and Justina, for being on this podcast. It's wonderful. I would encourage the audience as we publish this podcast, your backgrounds that we did not get into, um, so to speak, as much as we like to ordinarily, is phenomenal. Your backgrounds, your experience, and the things that you've done and accomplished are incredible. And we appreciate your time here today. Thank you so much. Justine, Thank, you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Grit Daily Startup. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. This podcast is brought to you by GritDaily.com, the premier startup news hub. More information at GritDaily.com. Once again, I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk. Until next time, friends. Connect with your potential customers wherever they are. Effective uses Comcast viewership data insights to combine advanced targeting capabilities with premium TV and streaming content so you can deliver the best ad experiences to your audience no matter how they watch. Visit EFFECTV.com.